Uh, okay, we'll, we'll be in Revelation chapter 7, and it's my ambition to do the whole chapter, and I think I can. So let's, uh, let's pray and jump right in. Father, we thank you for your glorious word. Uh, we we uh, pray that you'd prepare, Lord, my heart to teach your word accurately, and you'd prepare our, all of our hearts to receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, a famous phrase, after these things, chapter 7, verse 1. Meta Tauta, little Greek lesson to say, you don't know Greek. No, I know, I don't. I know enough to know enough. It, it's, it's time words. This happened, then this happened. A lot of people say chapter 7 is parenthetic. It is, in the sense that we're not opening, uh, it, it, it forms a parenthesis. Um, it, 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 it's not one of the seals, and it's before the trumpets. And it talks about things that are happening, but a lot of people say, well, it's, it's concurrent with the opening of the seals. But I don't think so. I think it clearly says after these things. So what happens? This is the sixth seal, the crazy one, right? Let's go back and verse 12. I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, a great earthquake. Sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became as blood. Stars of heaven fell. Um, the earth departed as a scroll. Every mountain island moved out of their places. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains instead of the mountains and rocks fall on us. Is this forever? Is this for all seven years? No, I think it's for a limited time. God's gracious. I think all through the tribulation there are times when you'll say death is better. Death is better. Well, it never is. And there'll be times, get this, and some of you know this, where people will seek death and it will flee from them. It seems like if you try to kill yourself and you know enough, you should be able to, right? Not at these times. It, what, what happens? Supernatural stuff. You put a noose around your neck, jump off the edge of a building, get a well, and the angel catches you before your neck snaps and says, nah. I mean, what, what, what does that even look like? How do you not do yourself in? Well, we'll get to that, okay? But there are plenty of times, but it's for a season, and then God tempers it with his mercy. And I think like, so that's what happens in the sixth seal, and then after these things, after the opening of the sixth seal, it doesn't last forever. Imagine seven years of earthquake, or the sun, you wouldn't last seven, if the sun went out, God turned the sun out, you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't last seven years. I mean, imagine like 300 degrees below zero. What do you do with that? How long do you survive in that? Not at all is the answer. After the, and it starts out, it ends with, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is, uh, shall be able to stand? Remember uh, verse 16? Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. They understand very specifically they've offended a deity who is a lamb. Who told them? Well, I think chapter 7 is going to tell us who told them. Um, the great day of his wrath has come. Who shall be able to stand? Is that a rhetorical question? I do not think so. I think chapter 7 says who is able to stand. Okay, so let's jump into chapter 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. Now, before we jump off to a flat earth discussion, the four corners of the earth does not bolster your belief in a flat earth, okay? Four compass points, okay? You know, we, we say things like four corners of the earth and we're not 
We don't literally mean that the Earth is a giant cube or a square or anything like that. We understand compass points. You, you know, you, you say the word sunrise without bringing Copernicus into the discussion. When the Earth turns such that the line of sight is clear at, at the sun, the, the sun didn't rise. You understand the Earth turned. But we say sunrise, we say sunset. We're all good with that, right? We know. So he's talking about the four corners of the Earth. Don't come up to me and, yeah, I think it really is a flat Earth, please. Please, I just, that's one of their arguments. I just want to diffuse that right away. But they're at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth. Is that a problem? Oh, that's catastrophic. You say, well, I'll have a good hair day. The wind won't blow. No, 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 it's catastrophic. No wind, no what? What? No rain. Exactly correct. You need wind to have rain. Imagine no rain. Is that going to be a problem? Uh, yeah. You, you know, we already ran into famine. You need rain to have sustained life? Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be a very big problem. How long is that going to last? Well, in the days of Elijah, three and a half years. In the days of the two witnesses, I bet three and a half years as well, but we'll get into that later so we don't have to do it right now. But no wind, is a, is a, it's a big problem. Uh, so the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on the tree. I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. Seal of the living God, what's that all about? Well, we'll find out. He cried with, cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, hurt not the earth, neither the sea, nor the trees, till... We have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. So this mighty angel, I have an idea, he's an authority because he's given orders to the other angels. And he says, don't hurt the, 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 the sea, don't hurt the land, don't hurt the trees until. And he has this seal and he's sealing the servants of God in their foreheads. Are you sealed? Yes, yes. Can I give you an example of that? Yes, I can. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse, let's uh, start in verse 21. Now, he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. The earnest, the down payment. It also means engagement ring. I love that, okay? Well, why not? We're his bride. It would make sense, but he sealed us. He set us apart. I, I always wonder in the in the we can't see it. We can't see it. I can't see if you're sealed. I wish I wish everyone who was born again would tell me so I'd stop wondering. Because I because I I, I, I want to know if you know if God's reaching hearts and things like this. But we can't see it. Sometimes we can see as your activity drastically changes. You're in sinful behavior, and all of a sudden you're in righteous behavior. Sometimes we can see it, but not all the time. But we can't see it. That seal, can they see it in the spiritual realm? Can angels see us and know that we're children of God? Well, they have to be able to because they minister to the heirs of salvation. Can the demons see it and know that we're gods? I wonder. And I'd say probably yes, but I can't be sure of that. You know? Who knows? But God knows those who are his. And so he seals where? In the forehead. Later on, we're going to see a mark that's going to be adopted by those who are anti-God. 
Antichrist and his minions will have a mark in their forehead as well. What's that all about? It's cheap counterfeit, if you ask me. But we'll get there again, so we won't. But we're we're sealed, okay? Now these uh, servants of of uh, of God will be sealed in their foreheads. Is that the church? And church is watching us from the mezzanine. We're in we're in chapter five. We're in the throne room, represented by the elders. This is another group of those who are sealed, though. I heard the number of them which were sealed, and they were sealed 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Um, people come to our house, and they knock on the door, and Jehovah's Witnesses, and they say there's 144,000. <sighs> Three minutes in Scripture. Two minutes. What tribe are you from? By the way, people don't know, Jewish people don't know what tribe they're from. Genealogical records are sketchy at best. And if you're a, a Levitical person, your name will be like sometimes Levi or variations, Levinson, Lewinsky, uh, oddly enough. Those are people who are probably from the tribe of Levi. Cohen. Remember we had an illustrious senator years ago, Billy Cohen. Kohathites are named Cohen. Not always, uh, because you could be, you know, have these names and not be of the tribe of Israel, but very often. And anyone outside, like if you're a tribe of Asher, or Naphtali, or Judah, how would you know? And by the way, this that idea of lost ten tribes, that just crashed. Good riddance to bad doctrine. That's, that's, that's sad. God, they're not lost. <laughs> they lost. God knows everyone. Now, you might have lost if you were Jewish. You say, well, do I, am I Jewish? No, you're not. You would practice Judaism. Do you have a drop of Jewish blood in you back? I don't know that. But I mean, like Jewish people, like, observe Passover. You know what I mean? They, uh, you know, they uh, eat kosher. They have, uh, they, they avoid the Sabbath. I mean, um, uh, celebrate the Sabbath. Observe the Sabbath is the word I was looking for. So you observe the Sabbath. Now you're Jewish? No, you're just a quirky Christian, maybe. It doesn't make you Jewish. So you're saying, well, yeah, but we're children of Abraham, and it says so in Galatians, so is this us? No, again, we're on the mezzanine. I think it means, he's talking about the specific 12 tribes, and he'll go and he'll list them all, and I think we could take this at face value. He's going to uh, uh, seal 12,000 from 12 different tribes, or if you do the math, 144,000. It's interesting to me, not 140. 3,999, 144,012, or 8. Exactly 144,000. This speaks of the sovereignty of God. Now you'll know, if you're very astute, that a couple of tribes are missing. Well, one tribe's missing and one tribe's not. But I'll let you decide. I'll ask you. So I'm going to go through it. Okay, I heard the number of them was sealed. There were 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel. I think he's talking about. All the tribes of the children of Israel. The tribe of Judah was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Reuben was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Gad was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Asher was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Nephtali was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Manasseh was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Simeon was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Levi was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Issachar was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Zebulun, was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Joseph was sealed 12,000. Of the tribe of Benjamin was sealed 12,000. Who's missing? 
understand. Correct. Why? Well, nobody knows for sure, but I have my ideas. Who else is missing? Tougher question. You So there's 12,000. Nobody's missing. There's 13 tribes when you think about it. You remember um, Jacob adopted Joseph's sons, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. You remember that, okay? And um, so there's really 13 tribes. So when they're listed 12, he's always like you got a deck of 13 cards to deal from. So when you listen to those who go off to war, you, you exclude Levi. Levi is not the fighter uh, tribe. They're the priest tribe. So you still got a, a deck of 12 to deal from. You can still maintain 12. But he um, took Dan away and he still has 12 tribes. What happened? Well, he mentions Manasseh from the tribe of Joseph in uh, the last one in uh, verse 6. But then he mentions Joseph. Well, if Joseph is Manasseh and Ephraim, and he mentions Manasseh, so Ephraim is kind of there in Joseph. I mean, what that's all there is in Joseph, Manasseh and Ephraim. He already mentioned Manasseh, so it's kind of Ephraim, but they're not mentioned. They kind of get the fuzzy end of the lollipop, like a left-handed compliment. And they're included, but they're not even named. Now, the only thing I can think of in, in the time of, okay, the northern kingdom, when it went from the, you remember, and the, the southern kingdom was Saul, David, and Solomon. And then he uh, gave the kingdom, when he died, to his uh, son, Rehoboam, who sadly mishandled it and gave rise to Jeroboam to rise to prominence. So Jeroboam becomes the king in the northern uh, tribes, over the northern tribes, and then you have down the south, you have uh, Rehoboam, and the kingdom split into two. Now Jeroboam has a problem, well he has a lot of problems, but he caused Israel to sin. He, he made the, the, the golden calves, and he put them where? In Dan and Bethel, the north part of the northern kingdom, and the south part of the northern kingdom. Bethel is in Ephraim, in case you were wondering. Is that why God excludes them? Because, of, because you know, in Deuteronomy, it talks about where people who promote idolatry, it says God will remove your name. Now, I think that's kind of interesting. I, go back, I should have probably looked that up and probably, you know, we could go back and see it. But it's there, and you can look it up on your own. That would be fine. So... Is that what we're looking at? Possibly, quite probably, I wouldn't know. It's not like God like loses. There's nothing in Scripture that's there by accident. You have to make this discovery yourself, by the way. I, I've been at it for like 41 years. I've been studying Scripture. You have to make this, you know, because all, there's all kinds of like, you know, the Bible is written by men and there's all kinds of errors and omissions and it says this thing here and it says the exact opposite. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no idea what you're talking about. You just read some some website somewhere. So now you just want to be belligerent against God and so you come up with these crazy ideas. No, it isn't. It's skillfully engineered. Geniusly so. And, it, and I can prove it. It comes from outside our time domain. You have to make these... Uh, discoveries on your own. And once you do, you can really trust the Word of God. Why? Well, God wrote it. <laughs> but you have to, like, some people know that and some people don't. The great discovery, the great 
it, it's wonderful when you find out like this. It's the word of God. It's incredible. Uh, that's a that's a wonderful day, and you can really. Um, Anyway, so what about this uh, saving? So I think he, he leaves twelve, two tribes out. That's interesting to me which two they are. And then, there's a, so think about it, 12,000. Well, I want to get saved, and I'm not in the 12,000. Well, you're not in those who are sealed. I mean, is, is salvation still available? Yeah, but he chose. I want to tell you about the sovereignty of God. He, he just chose 12,000, 12 tribes. Just to say, see, I'm God. I'll do what I want to do. If you, if you ran to these people right now and told them, if you could somehow tell that, uh, these people, like, were going to be, and you talk to them about, hey, you know, after the, uh, the church is out of here and all kinds of catastrophic things happen, you're one of the 12,000 that are going to get saved from, all, and sealed from all the tribes. Deny it. Well, if they were, born again and believe Jesus now, they go up with us. Uh, and if they don't believe that, they probably think like, yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. Imagine just God just stepping into somebody's life and saying, no, I selected you. That's what our salvation looks like. We were in Christ when? From the foundation of the world. I mean, you sound just like, a, just like a, one of these um, Calvinists. No, but God is God. He's sovereign. Well, but I wanted to get saved, and he wouldn't let me because he's sovereign. I couldn't. No, that's not how it exactly works. Whosoever will. I I don't know exactly how it works. I mean, I really don't. I always wrestle with this. Did he chose me? Did I choose him? I think both. I don't think it's exclusive. I don't know how it works. But don't give me this. Don't give me this. Oh, I'd like to get saved. I'm just not, I just haven't been called from the foundation. One, you don't know that. Two, get saved. You show God. You're in charge. You say, well, I, I, I can't. I, I'm not called. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop playing that game. I mean, I've had people have those conversations like, just listen, come up here and we'll pray. We'll settle this once and for all. You know, it's, it's not a question of like, who, who does God hold at arm's length and say, no, I'm not saving you. And does whosoever will mean whosoever will? Because I've had I've had these discussions with those who are called Calvinists. Whosoever will means whosoever will of all that I'm going to save. God says. So basically, whosoever will doesn't mean whosoever will. But no, He takes twelve thousand each one of the tribes, and not one more. So this is a very specific ceiling. This is incredible to me. And what he, he sets them apart for a purpose, to, 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 to share the gospel. You know, Jesus said the gospel is going to go through the whole earth before the end comes. And so the church has been trying to make sure that happens. There's a lot of people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. They will then. Besides all this, there's going to be an angel flying through mid-heaven sharing the everlasting gospel later on in the tribulation. Everyone will hear. Okay, I just want you to understand that. But here he's got these 144,000 Billy Grahams who are sharing the gospel, who are just talking about, just, and later on we're going to find out some other things about them. One, they're all male. Two, they're all virgins, surprisingly enough. And, but that's more. That, that'll come later. At that time we'll visit. 
And this, after this, metatauta, after this, and because of this, if you ask me, there's a cause and effect here. He sealed these 12,000 each one of the tribes. Why? To share the gospel. After this, I beheld in law a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, of all ethnos. I love that. God's a racist. <laughs> you don't know anything. And by the way, Black Lives Matter. Jesus said 2,000 years ago, all lives matter. And he died for everybody. Just something you want to think about, okay? You say that, you're racist. No, no, I'm right. Biblically, I'm right. And Jesus isn't a racist either. His kingdom is so big, all comers. And he wants it to be that way. He wants every ethnos, every tongue, every tribe, every kindred, every, it's all available. And he, he, there's some people he just won't save. But what are you talking about? What do you, where do you get these ideas? Or do you get the idea that some people are more elite than others? That's, that's, that's crazy stuff. You don't get it from the Bible. I love this. Uh, a great multitude, which no man could number. They passed your ability to, is, is, is salvation going to be available after the rapture? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're counting on that. Des- desperately so. We're counting on that. When suddenly you're not here anymore, some people that you're talking to, will they get the, will they get the memo from God? They were right. They weren't crazy. It's time to believe. Will they get that? We hope so. Remember, the Bible says God will give them strong delusion that they may believe the lie. Satan's going to come out with his plan and his discussion of what happened. But some people will hear. Some people will get saved. A great multitude. I think this is the, the, the biggest reaping, the biggest harvest of the earth like ever. Um, is before Jesus comes for his church, is there going to be another great outpouring of the Spirit? We hope so, but I don't have a verse that tells me that. It says perilous times. We read that in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. It taught Jesus says, when I, when I return, will I find faith on the earth? It says the, the love of many will grow cold. That's the agape of many will grow cold. Something to think about. Is, is this a time of great outpouring of the Spirit? Let's hope so. Or is this just the dribs and drabs, just a few more before the trumpet blows? I don't know the answer. I, I mean, my heart's desire is that we'll see another great. But this is the greatest one the world has ever seen. No man could number all nations, kindreds, people, and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, because that's what salvation looks like, and palms in their hand. Where do they get palms? Are there palm trees in heaven? Because they're before the throne. Okay, so they're dead. By the way, that will happen all through the tribulation, and many. How many people, righteous people, saved people, live through the tribulation? We don't know. I say decidedly few. You know, it's going to be very, very difficult. Like I say, I just got my, you know, my cabin in Montana and my brown rice. Yeah, good luck to you and your cabin. It's like God is mocked. At the end, I'll be able to outmaneuver God. And yeah, maybe not. They have palms. 
a sign of worship. Today would be Palm Sunday if we were like people who observe the liturgical calendar like some churches do. Um, palms, they, they use that to, you know, Hosanna to the son of David. It was a symbol of worship. Um, so here they are. They have, uh, they have palms in their hand and they're worshiping God. Again, are there palm trees in heaven? I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know, I just, just, uh, palms are one of the branches they use in the tabernacles. Um, the booths that they made up in the, the celebration of booths, the, the, I think it's called Sukkot. It's, it's, you know, when they, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles is how you'll find it in the King James. It's in the fall. By the way, it'd be really wild. We should do that sometime. But that's a story for another time. They cried with a loud voice. That's everything in heaven's loud. I like that, you know. People like, shh, keep it down. No, people, God likes loud. They cried with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Is our God the God of salvation? Hey, by the way, exclusively so. Just, Adam, that's not politically correct. It's biblically correct. Neither is salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven uh, given among men whereby we must be saved. Name of Jesus. Okay, just in case you were wondering. All the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God. A lot of worship in heaven. I know some of you guys don't get that yet. You just, just I don't know, I, I said before, the proof of the pudding, just ascribe worth to God and see if God doesn't meet you in your worship. Say, I'm shy. Fine, do it in your car on the way home. I think there's something about you know, the, 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 all the saints gathering and worshiping. That's the one thing COVID has kind of taken away from us. And I, I hate that. I mean, I hate that. I remember when I was here sometimes preaching in an empty room. <laughs> it was, Suze was walking around. Kyle was here. Mike was in the back. That was it. That was my congregation of three and me. Uh, and, and, and we were broadcasting, you know, on, on I think there's something about when the family of God gets together and worships God collectively, and the more the merrier in a very real way. Here, this is going to be awesome. Will we be involved in that? Well, we're in heaven, too. Uh, we can sing this voice, Salvation to our God, who sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood around about the throne, about the elders of four beasts, and they fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. Sing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. How many attributes? Don't, don't count. Seven. And by the way, the blessing. There's a definite article and it says the glory and the wisdom and the thanksgiving and the honor and the power and the might be unto our God forever and ever. What are they doing? They're worshiping. They're ascribing worth to God. Is God blessed? Yes. Is he glorious? Yes. Is he wise? The Bible says he's the only wise God. Uh, should we direct our thanks to him? Listen, if somebody gives you something, you can thank that person. God's not upset with that. Ultimately, we're talking about salvation. And what are they doing? They're thanking God for salvation. And honor. Is God worthy of honor? And is he powerful? Oh, he's all-powerful. And he's almighty. He's... uh omnipotent, 
be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. One of the elders answered, saying to me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence come they? It's interesting to me. Every time the elders are asking questions or directing traffic or explaining things to, to John, it's of a heavenly scene. And any time the angels are explaining something to God, it's about something that's going that's taking place on earth. And I think it would be exactly opposite. You know, the angels in heaven are saying, okay, let me tell you how this works, John, and explaining things, because they're heavenly beings, and they would know all the answers to what stuff's going on in heaven, right? It's not. It's the elders. And, you know, the elders used to live on earth, and they, it seems like they would be able to explain everything to John about what's going on, on earth, and it's exactly opposite. But anyway, one of the elders, and by the way, this is what elders do. You remember before when John was weeping, and one of the elders said, what? Weep not. Behold, lion of the tribe of Judah. He's prevailed to, and he's able to open the seals and to look therein, and I said before, elders, what they do is they go, they minister to the one who's weeping, the one who's in need, and they point them to Jesus Christ. Well, here's another thing that elders do. They catechize. That's a word we don't run into. They instruct in catechism. Elders teach Bible. That's what they do. That's, that's um, you, you say, well, I'm not an elder. No, you're elder of your house. If, if you're a man, if you're a woman, you're the elder of your children. Or, or, or a group of people, or you can teach Bible, or, you know, I, and I think you should. So he's asking the question. It, one of the elders answers, saying, I mean, what are these which are rain white robes? Don't you want to know? It's a good question, because otherwise we wouldn't know the answer. And whence come they? Where, where have they come from? So the elder's asking. And I said to her, him, Sir, thou knowest. <laughs> what is that, John? What's that all about? You know. Uh, is he just don't want to get it wrong? Is he overwhelmed? Is he are they ones that he doesn't understand? Your guess is as good as mine. You know, sir, thou knowest. Okay, fair enough. And he said unto me, "Fair enough is my comment. It's not scriptural." Okay, <laughs> but he goes on. He answers the question. He goes, "Come on, give me a guess." He doesn't because elders aren't like that. They don't you know. You ask the question stuff, and then you don't like make people feel awkward or embarrassed or dumb. They don't know. Where do, you, where do they come from? You know. And he said to me, they are they which, these are they which came out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Is salvation available during the tribulation? Yeah. Yeah. What's the formula for salvation in the tribulation? Ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and to save you from your sins. So these added to the church? No. That ship has sailed. I try to explain this. There's a difference between the bride of Christ and every other group of saved people. It just works that way. Is Isaiah in the church? No. What about Abraham, the father of faith? No. What about John the Baptist? You mean the friend of the bridegroom who Jesus said... You know, there's no one greater than John the Baptist except he that's least in the kingdom of God. Who's he talking about? Me, you, greater than John. How are you greater than John? How am I greater than John? Positionally, we're the bride of Christ. Are these people saved? Yeah, they're the bride of Christ? No. What was the cost for their salvation? 
their lives. Later on, we'll find out many of them are beheaded. Nasty way to die. You bat, you, you, your head falls off into a basket, rolls away or something like that. That'd be kind of nasty, right? Or you can get saved now. And then trumpet blasting, come up here and boom, away you go. People say, well, I won't live for him now. I'll die for him later. I don't think so. I don't think it works that way. Again, God's not mocked. I hope what you're saying is true. Don't count on it. You can get saved today. I don't understand. People put this away and say no to God. They say no to God. They say no to God. They say no to God. And suddenly they're going to say yes. I think we get very good at saying no to God. Hearing the gospel, not responding to it, it's like, it's like an inoculation. You know what they do? Maybe, maybe not this inoculation that's famous out there now, but they get a little something, dead virus or something, and they inject you with it, and your body builds up tolerance against it, and so you're not able to catch the disease. The gospel's like that. You say no to the Holy Spirit, and you get inoculated against, you get very good after a while of saying no to the Holy Ghost, and you can't catch salvation anymore, if I can put it that way. Don't take me too literally, come on. But it, but we say no, we say no, we say no, and then after a while we give. I remember the like uh, I had people tell me about it. the very first time they heard the gospel. They you know they're holding on to the pew and their white knuckles and no no I'm not going to go I'm not going to go I'm not going to go. And then like you know after a while it's like you had this epic battle and you said no. After a while it's almost like well, you know will you give your heart to Jesus? Christ? Nope. And you're very you know is very close at hand and you've learned how to say no to the Holy Ghost. When are you going to learn how to say yes? When you're, when you're in a situation like that. Well, I'll, I'll get saved after. Why would you do that? Why would you Why would you do that? I understand. Well, salvation is salvation. I get that. You're going to be in heaven eternally, and I get that. You're going to be worshiping God in a white robe with palm branches, and I get that. But you're not part of the bride. Why would you not? I don't get that. I don't get that. What are you waiting for? Anyway, let's keep moving, because we're close to finishing this off. Hey, you know, they came out of the great tribulation. They've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. How does blood wash anything? Hey, you don't know about the blood of Jesus Christ. It washes you from all the filth, all the depravity, all the wickedness, all the licentiousness, all the, the you know, the covetousness, the, the filth, the, 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 the selfishness. Our whole life is about us. We get washed by the blood of the Lamb and all of a sudden, our horizons are broadened. It's not about us anymore. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. I, I've said this before. I, I didn't care about people. I cared about me. I was the most selfish. What happened? I got saved. And all of a sudden, I care about... Listen, I, I can look you right in the eye. I don't care who you are and say, I don't want to see you go to hell. And I mean that from the heart. How did that happen? Love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. A lot of us think that you know we can whip ourselves into shape and we can. I'm going to get holy, then I'm going to become saved. Just give your life to Jesus Christ and let Him do the work from the inside by the power of the Holy Spirit, and He will wash you in His blood, and you will be whiter than white. I, I love that. I don't know what else to say. Therefore are they before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. Awesome. Are you living with God? Yeah, eternally so. They shall hunger no more. Hey, they knew hunger. 
There was famine. They went without a lot of times. They won't know it no more. People in heaven hungry? <laughs> no. No. I tell you, it's a wonderful place. You get to eat and no calories. Are you hungry? Never. Ever. No more hunger. Why? Because when God has it His way, He's a blessing God. He's a Father. His children don't go without. He, you know, we read in Psalms earlier, there's no good thing He with, will withhold from them that love Him. I know this to be true in my own life. I can't even add things. I can't even pretend that I'm without anything. God is so awesome, so good. He gives me everything. He gives me all my needs. And if you want to be honest about it, a few of my greeds, He just piles blessing on me. But let's keep going. They shall be hungry no more, neither thirst. Remember, it didn't rain for three and a half years. This is progressive, I think, all through the tribulation. People are dying because of these 144,000. The 144,000, nobody can kill them. But the people they lead to saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, very, very often they die. And I think, so they would know thirst, but they won't know it anymore. Why? Jesus is the, he's the, he's the river of life. He's the, you know, if any man thirsts, Jesus says, come unto me. And we know what it is to thirst no more, those of us who have come to Jesus. Uh, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. Um, we were having a problem with the sun going away last time. Later on, we'll talk about the sun being increased in strength and people blaspheming God because of the intensity of the sun. A lot of stuff's going to happen we don't know yet, but the sun won't beat on them anymore. Say, well, is the darkness in heaven? No, it's light all the time. They don't even have night there. But it's not because of a ball of gas in the sky that's given them light. Heaven is illumined by the glory of God and by Jesus Christ. And there's never any darkness there. But it's not a sun that, like, Jesus isn't like, you don't get ultraviolet. You don't get, like, skin cancer from Jesus Christ and his glory. Just in case you're wondering. The sun shall not light on them, nor any heat. I'm sorry. For the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. So we have a, a lamb who's a shepherd. Who's, we're, we're leading these lambs with, a, with another lamb. Who else would know? Who better? He shall feed them. He shall live and lead them into the living fountains of waters. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. That's, to me, it's a beautiful thing. Where's God? Where he can, where he's available to wipe away all tears from us. He's at arm's length. He's right there. Come here, little one. Wipes away all, all the tears. I, you know, God is just so loving, so good, so gracious, so knows what we need, is able to provide it. We, we should probably end there. Let's, let's pray and let's go out of here and worship. Father, you're Stand, stand please. Father, you're so good to us all the time. You bless us. You care for us. You've given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. You withhold no good thing from your children. You're certainly our loving Heavenly Father. We praise you. We thank you. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. 
the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.